was a lot faster than I thought it was going to be. I guess I need to pay attention to the uh, bumper video before today, right? No, I did watch it, but I didn't realize it was 30 seconds. So am I on or not? Am I good? All right, well, great to see you this morning. I know it's uh, kind of rough out there, and um, I, uh, yeah, I came in this morning and used to the certain uh, speed limits and, you know, me driving the speed limit um, always, and I was like, whoa, I better slow down. This is, this is pretty rough, but it's great to see you today. Um, you know, before I go, and while I'm thinking about it, um, after last week's sermon, um, somebody in our congregation actually made up these bracelets um, that say, uh, seek God, and then it's got Proverbs 2, 1 through 5 on the, on the other side, and so uh, there's a ton of them out there in the uh, <clears throat> sanctuary by the camp coffee bar, so uh, that was a cool idea, and um, thank you, Daryl, for doing that, but um, if you want one of those, uh, I think I'll probably start wearing this. Um, uh, you can grab one of those. Uh, those are out there. I feel like we're just a little bit like in snow mode right now. If you're alive, would you say amen? amen. All right, you're here. You know, for me, uh, 1997 was a crossroads year. Um, some of you think back, where were you at in 1997, right? And some of you are like, yeah, I wasn't even, uh, <laughs> that sounds ancient, right? But for me, 1997 was a, was a crossroads year um, in my life. I was 18. I was um, on the verge of setting out on my own. I was making my plans. I was um, figuring out what I thought I wanted to do with my life. I, um, I was in a, uh, a pretty serious relationship uh, with someone that I, I, uh, I wanted to marry. And 1997 became a, a crossroads year for me. Um, that was the year I realized <clears throat> that it was my time to make a decision. I, I had grown up in church. I was a, a pastor's kid. I knew uh, everything I needed to know about uh, God, I thought. I, I knew enough to know about um, the gospel. Um, but I realized in that year that uh, this was it for me. It was a crossroads for me. Was I going to do my own thing? Was I going to pursue my own dreams? Was I going to uh, <clears throat> the college I thought I wanted to go to? And was I going to marry the girl I, th I thought I wanted to marry? And it was in that year that the Spirit of God really began to talk to me, convict me, speak into my life caused me to have these moments where I was 100 miles an hour headed my direction. And yet in the middle of that, he began to speak into my heart and life and began to show me um, that is not my plan for your life. And I wrestled. That was a crossroads year for me. 
probably it was longer than a year to be all told with all, of, all the time and all the events that happened in that year. But I experienced what I believe every, every person experience, experiences. It's this battle, this, this private battle that I think every person and then even every follower of Christ must face and must win. Because here is, here's the bottom line. God wants to be the CEO of your life. And this battle is for your heart. He wants to be the CEO of your heart. And yet, just like no doubt you faced, I faced that, that tremendous struggle. And to be honest, as I think back about it, I see that there was one major barrier for me in this battle. One major barrier above everything else. And it was this barrier of what I would call um, uh, FOMO. How many of you have ever typed in FOMO? Okay, well, it's supposed to be this, anyway. It's the fear of missing out, all right? We, 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 you know, IDK, we do everything like that now. The fear of missing out. I, um, I feared God's plan for my life, God's will for my life. Here's my thought process. God, if I, if I follow your lead in my life, if I pursue ministry like I feel like you've called me to, my life is going to be right, but it's not going to be fulfilling. Right? If I break up with this girl, God, you're probably going, you're going to, I'm going to get married at some point. But it's not going to be somebody as good as her. It's not going to be somebody as, as um, someone that I'm as attracted to as her. In fact, God probably, because I, I, uh, I know enough, I've been enough around church and stuff like that, and sometimes what people have said, um, you're probably going to make me marry somebody that I'm not super attracted to, but it's the right thing. I'm just being honest with you. These are my thought processes in those as an 18-year-old kid. And I feared missing out. Now, this is not anything new. FOMO was in the garden <laughs> with Adam and Eve. Because that's exactly what the, uh, the enemy of our soul, Satan, through the serpent, that's the same kind of thought process you use with Eve. If you... Don't eat this tree, or this fruit, the knowledge of good and evil. You're going to miss out. Isn't that what he said to her? Has God really said? And because God said, God is holding back something from you, right? And I find that the barrier that most of us face in this battle for uh, God being the CEO of our heart and life, most of it is centered around the fear of missing out. The first sin was a belief that God was not a good God and that you're going to miss out by allowing him to be the Lord of your life. That's the power of temptation. 
God is holding back something from you. It's a lie that real success, real fulfillment, all the things that you're looking for are somewhere out there and God is keeping them from you. Now, if you're like me, which most of you are now saying I'm not, (laughs) but uh, uh, here's how it kind of works. Okay, I want to be right. I I realize what God's done for me. I I get the end game. So I I fear by following God that I'm going to miss out on a bunch of stuff. But ultimately, I fear more not being right. And I fear the end game more. So I'm just going to try harder. I'm going to grip my teeth. And I'm going to decide that even though I'm going to probably miss out, I'm still going to, I'm just going to follow Jesus. And yet in my own life, I experienced over about a year and a half, a year and a half in, a complete breakthrough. When I begin to realize that what the life that God had called me to and the plans that he had for me were good. They were good. And that actually, if I could allow myself and I could have, a, if I could trust him and through his grace, he could enable me to continue to give my life to him. That what he had planned for me as his child was beyond even what I could imagine. And I began to see in his word, I began to have this breakthrough that God was calling me to something better than what even I desired. I've shared with you this before, but just to visit back how this has worked out in my life. Um, so I, I broke up with that girl, obviously, right? And um, it was tough. I think my parents, I think they thought I was like suicidal a little bit because I, I would go to this, uh, this uh, uh, reservoir and I would just walk, this huge reservoir. It's in Lima, Lima guy. Yeah, it's, over, it's this huge reservoir in Lima. And you could go up and you could walk around it. There was a walking path. I'm not kidding. I would walk for hours. My parents would get so concerned. My dad showed up one time. We just want to make sure you're okay. You didn't jump in or something. Because, of course, all of you knew at that point in my life I couldn't swim, right? So that was a real, like, real, uh, real thing. It was tough. It was tough. Struggled. God, doing this ministry thing, I, I don't know. I really have some things I, I would like to do. And yet, as I gave myself over to him and I trusted him, I, I like to share it this way. Uh, in particular, um, God faithfully, a few years later, brings Nicole into my life. Right? And now looking back, I really do. I identify with that Garth Brooks song. Um, any of you like Garth Brooks? Yeah? That was the river. This is the ocean. 
Oh, I could see in my heart this girl. I mean, it was the river. Compared to what God brought into my life, it wasn't even anything close. But the breakthrough started for me, and I believe the breakthrough starts for us, not in just gritting our teeth and saying, okay, God, I'm just going to, uh, I'm going to commit to you, and I'm, I, I guess I'm going to miss out, but I, I want to be right. The, the breakthrough for me and the relief in my life and the release in my life and the, and the peace that flooded my life and the confidence to be able to just wholeheartedly, unreservedly begin to give my life to God was when I began to realize this belief that God is good. God is good. He is committed to providing everything that we need in our lives. I'm telling you today, I realize that many people, and I would even say in this group that I'm talking to at 9 o'clock, that it is hard for a lot of us to grab a hold of the fact that God is good. Most of us have had thoughts that God is about setting up a whole system of life and a lot of rules. And honestly, it seems like these rules end up limiting our freedom and our fun. That's the, that's the mindset with unbelievers, especially when you talk about the Bible. It's just full of rules. Well, here's the, sh- here's the short story. We are an incredibly broken, flawed, fallen people. That's who we are. And we cannot get out of our own way. And what we naturally do is we take good things and we misuse them. Right? I look at my life and without the Lord Jesus, I took good things and I could misuse them very easily. Right? That's what we do. We are flawed. We are broken. God has blessed this world in so many ways. His goodness is all over the place. But our fallen, broken, bent condition takes those things and we run with them. And we know what it is to look all around and see greed everywhere. Correct? Because we take the good things God's given and we misuse them. We consume them on ourselves. Think about the good things in this life that God has given, gifted to us that we have misused. And so God, in his wisdom, obviously has said, listen, I am going to need to help you understand how you can use the good things I have blessed you with in a proper and appropriate way so that it's fulfilling to you. And that's why he instructs us in his word and helps us to understand through these rules, so to speak, they are not for anything else except for our own good his glory and our good right the way the reason the bible is full of instruction is because we can't get out of our own way we need that desperately or i misuse this world And so often people have misunderstood and thought that God is simply a God who wants to control, manipulate, and limit us. And I don't know why. Because they can't get their mind off of, he says, don't do that. Or I need to do this. I mean, think about it. I used this the other night in... um, 
youth, uh, N2, I guess that's what we call it, right? I want to say youth group. I don't know what we call it. But student ministry, N2. Um, <clears throat> as a simple example, um, and I pick on Colby, but Colby loves ice cream, right? Ice cream is not bad. I love ice cream. I, I, could, I, I, I eat ice cream. But Colby left on his own, literally, if we left the freezer just at his disposal, guess what he would have for breakfast? Guess what he'd have for lunch? And guess what he'd have for dinner? He would just eat ice cream all the time. And where would that lead him? <laughs> he would be a diabetic at nine years old. Right? It would wreck his life, wreck him. His health would deteriorate. It would, it would do so many things to him if all he did was eat ice cream. And that's what we do as, as fallen, broken people without the, the, the Holy Spirit and the, goodness and, the, and the instruction of God is we take the good things God give, gives us and we misuse them. We have no governor on our life. We just headlong and we move from here and here and here. Some people have this idea that, um, again, like I shared last week, God's a, a cop just waiting to catch us and doing something wrong. That we're loved conditionally. That we're loved conditionally. But I want to remind you this morning that God isn't bad. He isn't evil. He is good. Now this good goodness that he is and that he gives to us doesn't mean that life is easy and we always get what we want. But we can be sure that God will always give us what we need. Our fears, our anxieties, our relationship breakdowns, our sense about the future, I believe at the root of all our problems, it goes back to a distorted view of God. This erroneous view gives us a distorted view of ourselves, a distorted view of relationships, and a distorted view of the future. I mean, we live with a scarcity mentality. There's not much to go around. I better get mine. I need this position. I need to look like this. I have to own that. Otherwise, people won't think this about me. And so our significance and our security, which I believe is at the heart of every person, our significance and security are wrapped around really chasing the wind as opposed to resting in a good God that we can trust. God's goodness means he wants the very best for us. I would remind you in this series as we're jumping in, and this is the first attribute of God we're going to talk about, uh, that A.W. Tozer reminds us that what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. There is a handout. I've got a handout, so don't furiously try to scribble that. It's on a piece of paper somewhere. There's a lot of them. I would also remind you that Tozer reminds us that we tend by the secret law of the soul to move toward our mental image of God. Most important thing about me is what I think about God. And what I think about God is where I tend. As a man thinks in his heart, so he lives out, right? That's what the scriptures say. Thinking is the lead, the, the lead to the lag of our behavior, right? What we think, 
always determines how we are going to behave. If I have a view of an angry God, I tend to live guilty and fearful, worried. If I've got this kind of view of a God who's he, he's like a vending machine God, when I do the right things and he gives me this, if I put the money in the machine, then he will spit this out. And, and I have this idea that if I just follow one, two, three, four, then God has to do this, this, and this for me. And it's like a transaction and I do this, he does this. Um, then we, we, uh, we always are looking to try to just live this relationship with God where it's based on conditions. Distant God. I'm amazed at how many people really have an idea of we believe he exists, but he's just too far away to really be known, to really be known. I thought about this the other night as I stood and spoke at a funeral. And I thought about the fact that probably a lot of the people I was talking to, how many of them have really ever considered the fact that they could have a relationship with God? Think about all the people you work with and you know. How many of them really, really, really believe that they could have a relationship with God? He's just out there. Yeah, I guess I believe. And I guess I could buy into this Jesus thing. And I, I, but really, the idea that God wants to be intimate, personal with me, I'm not sure about that. A lot of us live with an idea of a distant God. So many live with a salad bar God. I pick and choose what I want. His authority is just kind of a suggestion. And so I, I take from here, here, and here and not really understand his word and his authority to be absolute. So many in our world now, are, there's no God. They're believing that there is not a God. I want to remind you that as we look at these attributes, the idea is not to accumulate more facts about God. The idea in Scripture with the word knowing God is never just an intellectual thing, but it is a relational thing. Again, I shared last week I can know a lot about somebody and never have met them. And this idea of, of, of going through these attributes of God is not to just say, wow, look at that beautiful thing. He's just, he's incredible. He's unbelievable. Look at, and we just kind of stand back and like we're gazing at a, at a work of art instead of realizing that these attributes of God affect our lives. They mean something to us because this God wants to be personal in our lives and this personal God comes into our lives and who he is absolutely affects us. And so this is far more than just learning more about God. It is about knowing God in a personal level. And I think this morning, as I've already referenced, that a good place to start would be in this idea of the goodness of God. It's foundational. If God isn't good, life makes no sense. There are no values if there is no goodness. It's foundational to understanding God. And I think that this is really, really starkly revealing in the scriptures when we think about the story of Moses. And I, I shared a little bit about Moses last time. Red Sea, Fire by night, cloud by day, manna from heaven, called out to lead millions of people. You know that Moses. And sometimes I say this and then people are like, I didn't know that Moses you were talking about. So this is an important figure in scripture who God is using to call his people out of, of bondage and to establish their own land, their own place. 
And we see that he has experienced all of these supernatural, phenomenal uh, movings of God. And he is the one who has now received the Ten Commandments and that whole thing. And, and we, we come to this place in Moses' life where he's in such a relationship with God that he's sharing with God, I, I'm, just, I'm just hoping and praying, God, that you're still going to be faithful to us. That I just need to know, and there's this interaction with God, and God is sharing with him that, yes, Moses, I'm going to be faithful. And in this kind of, this, this, this communication with God, Moses boldly asks God, well, God, I've seen all these things about you, but I really want to see you. Show me your glory, Right? Show me who you are. I want to know you. Who are you? I want to see more of you. I, I keep having these, I feel like I'm in a relationship with you, but I don't know. I want to see you. And God said, well, Moses, if I showed you all of me, you wouldn't be able to survive it. But I'll show you some of me. Why don't you go over in this corner of this rock formation and I will pass before you. And here's what Exodus 33 says. This is how God is going to introduce himself to Moses and then to us through his written word. And the Lord says, I will cause what? All my goodness to pass in front of you. It's interesting. Goodness. What does God want us to know about him? What is he going to show Moses? He didn't say holiness. He didn't even say compassion. He said goodness. And we continue to read in Exodus 34. Then the Lord came down in the cloud, and he stood there with him, and he proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming, The Lord, the Lord. The compassionate and gracious God. This is God showing himself, revealing himself. One of these huge things about how we understand God. First of all, with Moses, what is he wanting Moses to understand about him? And what is he wanting us to see about God? First impression kind of thing, right? First impression, lasting impression. I am the compassionate and gracious God. Slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving what? <laughs> Everything you can imagine. Wickedness, rebellion, and sin. I'll show you, Moses, who I am. I will cause my goodness to pass He goes on and he says, that does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. There is a sense where God is always grace and truth, goodness and right. He is just, he is fair. He's saying, listen, Moses, I'm gonna show you who I am and what that means for you. But there is a sense where I am who I am and there is a sense of justice and right and wrong. But guess what? In the midst of that, I am always good and you always can find forgiveness from that wickedness, rebellion, and sin. God is Do you believe that this morning? 
I got to be honest, it took me a lot of years to really soak this in. It really did. But this is foundationally who God is. I mean, we see it all around us, right? Where is God's goodness? How do we know God's goodness? Well, first of all, it's, there's all around us, there's the natural blessings, the natural goodness that God shows. Look, look at what the psalmist says. They celebrate your abundant goodness they, and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger and rich, is love, and rich in love. The Lord is what? Is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. Everything around us. His goodness is everywhere around us. I, I mean, if you're like me, it's easy to fall into the subtle trap of taking for granted the order and the beauty of the world we live in. All I can think about is the thing I have to fix or this part of my life that's kind of going wrong and I can drive home or I can drive somewhere and totally in my car be consumed about my own thing and all the while be driving past the goodness of God in this, cre in this creation that he's made amen and I can go from point A to point B and never one time be in awe of the way the order and the beauty of this world exists. Because all I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to say to this person. Why don't they do this? And, and what's wrong with me, you know, to be honest. And all around us, the scriptures say, the Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. His goodness is everywhere in this world. The natural blessings that we joy and experience is a picture, is a statement of the goodness of God. I've been thinking about this a lot too with like Selah. I, I, can I make a parent confession here? Um, Keegan, Sage, and Colby, um, it seemed like a lot of times I was just surviving. Right? Like I did not enjoy them to the level that I should have because I was just trying to figure it out. And maybe this is a, <laughs> I don't know. We had a child a little bit later. And so I'm in a little bit different period of my life. And I am just being overwhelmed at times by the goodness of God in the blessing of my children. Selah has brought that out, and now it's just, you know, not that, don't look at me like I didn't love my others. That's not it at all. But I didn't realize how much I love them. And I'm just like last night, I'm laying in bed, I'm watching football, right? I'm, but I'm trying to go to sleep. Um, and I'm, I'm laying there, and all of a sudden, through the door, here she comes. And it's 10.30, <laughs> She's been in bed for a while. She's supposed to be fast asleep. And she's not. And she kind of looks at me and she walks up to the bed and she's holding her uh, rough rough. That's what she called it. I found rough rough daddy. 
I'm like, okay, that's good. And then she kind of looks at me, and you can tell. And all of a sudden, she kind of smiles, and she crawls up in the bed. And it's just those moments where I'm like, you know what, I don't care if it's 1030. I'm just going to lay here for a while. And I'm telling you, for the next 15 minutes, she watched football with Daddy. And she would explain to me that they were wearing blue shirts and yellow pants. And, and I just laughed. I did. Nicole's laying next to me. I keep nudging, listen to her. I'm just laughing. I'm overwhelmed by the goodness God has given us and our kids. People who don't know the Lord find so much joy and goodness in their kids. It's just a natural blessing that God gives in his goodness to all of us. The second thing is through specific deliverance. So, Psalm 107 is a key place for us to understand this. And for the sake of time, because I've taken longer than I was going to up to this point, I'll just trust that you will look at this later. It starts this way. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. And then there's four scenes through this psalm that we get a glimpse into the goodness of God. It's four things like, um, basically it's this idea that three of them is, God, we've messed up. We've drifted from you. We are in danger for our lives. Um, There's these scenes where they talk about the fact that God has rescued them from these different perils. And three out of the four perils were of their own making. God himself says, you are in this position because of your action. And yet... I still am going to rescue. The last one is they're in the middle of the storm of life, out of their control, and yet God rescues them in a situation that is out of their control. And in that, there's this whole understanding that we see God's goodness through his specific deliverance in our lives. How many times and how many testimonies could be shared in this room right now when we talk about God's deliverance in our life. His mercy, his grace. He rescued us from what could have been an awful situation. He rescued us in the middle of our bad decision making. That's what he's saying. Listen, look at my goodness and how many times I have rescued you. Even when you screwed it up, I didn't stand there with my hands on my hips saying, well, that's going to hurt. I still move toward you trying to deliver you. But obviously the the ultimate sign of God's goodness is Jesus. Jesus is the proof of God's goodness. But God demonstrates his own love for us while we were still sinners. When we were in our worst place, God, Christ, died for us. Not when you got better or did a few things, but when you were absolutely gone, I move toward you. 
Jesus is the proof. I can resonate. Can you not resonate with the little kid who went to his mom and said, you know what, mom? Came home from church and he said, you know, I think Jesus is okay. But God scares me. Jesus is okay. But God kind of scares me. Guess what? Jesus is the proof of God's goodness. While we were yet sinners, but God demonstrated while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. But I would continue to say this. Jesus is the guarantee of his goodness. Listen to this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all God's goodness is like, you're the, Jesus is the proof, but the writer in Romans continues to say, listen, but, but by the fact that he gave Jesus, did not spare his own son, but gave him up freely, this is like a, listen, God's goodness is just, it, it's going to continue. It's limitless. It's not gonna be stopped. He's given you Jesus, and so in giving you Jesus, his goodness is just gonna lavishly flow into your life. So how do I respond to that? How do I respond to the goodness of God? I think it starts here. My favorite verses in all of the New Testament. Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and, for, and patience? Do you not realize that God's kindness is goodness? is intended to lead you to repentance. I experienced this in my own life. I knew I was a sinner. I knew I was twisted. Probably shouldn't say it that way because then you think I have a criminal record. I was bent, bent to sin. I knew it. And the word just continued, the law continued to condemn me further. It did. That's what it's supposed to do. And it did not, knowing how bad I was and how bent I was, did not inspire me, motivate me, encourage me to change. It just made me feel more and more condemned, more and more guilty, and guess what? I actually developed more and more destructive patterns in my life. The law is brought as a hammer to reveal. The law was never intended to change us. It's this, the realization that as bent as I was and as self-centered and selfish as I was, that God loved me anyway and he offered forgiveness and grace and a new life in spite of it. That's what all of a sudden turned it all on for me. That's what it does. And so to respond to God's goodness, do you not know that the kindness of God, the goodness of God, draws us to repentance. It's his goodness when we see how much he loves us in spite of who we are that causes us to say, wait, what in the world? This is unbelievable. This is really the only thing that can change me. God's love. 
And I'm so moved that I'm willing to repent. Turn from myself and turn to him. I would remind you that in this idea of God's goodness, the first thing he calls us to is to repent and receive God's good gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Repent of my unbelief, my mistrust in the idea that God is not really good, his way is not best, and in fact, he's holding out on me and he's going to make me miss out and that if I follow him, it might be right, but it's not going to be fulfilling. I need to repent of that unbelief in the idea of the goodness I need to repent in my ingratitude that I allow my life to be consumed by what is wrong instead of realizing the goodness that God has poured out through natural blessings, through specific deliverances, and through Jesus Christ, his son. There's really not any excuse for me today to be ungrateful, and I need to repent. How do I respond to God's goodness? I first of all see it and I repent of my unbelief and my ingratitude toward it. But I might be talking to somebody today who to be quite honest, you are not a believer in Jesus Christ. And the idea that God is good is maybe something that you have not realized, you did not understand. And this morning, in this moment, in this place, I am trying to communicate God's word that God is good. And Jesus is the proof of his goodness. And that if you will but move toward God, you will experience the source of the goodness of God and your life will be completely different. And you know what? In this moment, I want us just to bow our heads. Would you do that with me today? And I want to just take a moment. If there's somebody here that you could say, you know what, I'm not in a relationship with God. I didn't realize he was good. I thought it was all about what I was doing wrong. And Would you pray with me this morning? Would you open your heart to the goodness of God? Would you pray, Almighty God? I had no idea you were so good. I had no idea you loved me so much. And right now in this room, I want to turn from my sin. And in the empty hands of faith, I ask you to forgive me based on Jesus' work on the cross and resurrection and come into my life right now. Amen. I would say that there's also a group of us people that maybe we have repented and Jesus is in our life. But we are still in this battle. And that's why Romans chapter 12 verse 1 says, brothers and sisters, I urge you in view of God's mercy to offer in view of God's mercy, in view of God's goodness, 
I urge you to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, to surrender your life and future fully to the Lordship of Christ. What God wants is your money. (laughs) What God wants is not your money, not your religious activity. He wants you lock, stock, and barrel. He wants you. That's why I love this verse. Taste, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Taste. Why don't you go ahead and try it? Why don't you go ahead and jump all in? Why don't you go ahead and let go and trust him completely? Again, I'm going to use Colby, but he is infamous. He is so picky, so picky with food. It's just a battle. I hate it. And some days he comes home and he asks moms what for dinner, and you can see in his mind, he's like, I got to make decisions here. And it's been often that we put something in front of him, and he'll say these words, I don't like it. Colby, have you tried this? No, I don't like it. You ever done that? Or even smell it? I don't like it. Colby, you haven't even tried it. I don't like it. Paul's saying, listen, jump all in. Be totally committed. Would you come to a point where you surrender to the goodness of God? Surrender to God because he is good. Would you taste and see? Give him a shot. And there's so many of us in this room, I think sometimes that the battle is still going on about whether I'm really going to throw my hands up and say, God, I'm all in on you. Whatever you ask, wherever you lead, whatever you say to me, I am in because I know you are good. You have the full rights to my life. I am signing the bottom of the check. You fill in the top, whatever. Time, energy, money, possessions, future. You call the shots and I'll obey. The last thing I want you to notice is claim God's promise that you will never miss out on any good thing as long as you live. And I'm sure there's a lot of us today that need to hear this. Claim God's promise. Listen to Psalms 84. For the Lord God is a sun and shield. Sun is the source. Shield is protection. The Lord God is the source and the protector of us as his children. The Lord bestows or lavishes, gives liberally favor. It's the grace word. He liberally lives grace and honor. No, listen to these words, no good thing does he withhold. No good thing. And you and I do not live as God's children with FOMO, fear of missing As we walk with him, he promises no good thing to it does he withhold from those who walk with him. Lord Almighty, blessed is the one who trusts in.
That's why it's easy for the writer in Romans to say this. And we know that in all things, God works for the what? The good of those who love him. Who have been called according to his purpose. Claim God's promise that you will never miss out. You will never miss out on any good thing. Can you do that today? Are you still kind of, uh, are you sure, God? Sure seems good if I would have a Cadillac. Sure seems, no. As his children, his promise has always been, no good thing will he withhold from his Would you claim that today? Would you believe that? See, I think a lot of us need to repent of unbelief in our life because we still are like, no good thing is he going to withhold from me? Eh, I don't believe that. That's the promise. He's good. And you and I are called to embrace wholeheartedly, unreservedly his goodness. Let's pray. Our Father... Our God, Lord, I just ask that you would help us for a moment through the words of these scriptures to soak in who you are. And Lord, would you cause us to go through the processes of repenting of our unbelief and ingratitude, surrendering completely to you because you are good and you want the very best for us, and then living day in and day out, claiming God's promise and living in this place of rest and peace and trust that no good thing will he withhold from his children because that's who you are and that's what you do. Make this so, I pray, in our lives. In Jesus' name. As we go, I've asked Mount Vernon to sing a song I want us to uh, sing together. Let's stand. This might be new to you. If it's new, then just listen and allow God to speak to you. If it's not new to you, would you sing along? Would you join with them? But this is exactly, exactly the attitude, the heart of a person who knows that God is good. And I can trust him and walk with him. Sing together. I believe you are the way, the truth, the life. I believe you are the way, the truth.
Father, you're good. And in your goodness, you show us the way, the truth, and we experience life. Because foundationally, you're good. Lord, help us to turn from anything that would be unbelief in your goodness. Lord, help us to come to a point where we can surrender our whole lives to you because you know you want the very best for us. And Lord, help us each and every day to claim God's promise that we are living where there is no good thing that is withheld from us. Lord, open our hearts to this goodness. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you this morning. Have a great day. Good job, guys.